So I used to go to this bar when I was in college, when I came home from Alaska called Chil Chilkoot Charlie's. And their motto is, we cheat the other guy and pass the savings on to you. I go, if you think the owners are going to save millions and millions of dollars on rookie wages and just willy-nilly pass them to the veterans, you guys are stupider than I think. Hey, everybody. What's cracking? Welcome to the Jim Rohn Podcast and welcome to episode 292. Nine zero. My guest today is one of my all-time favorites. I love this guy. Absolutely love this guy. And if you've ever heard any of our conversations, you know exactly why. He is a three-time Super Bowl champ, a two-time Pro Bowler. He played 12 years in the trenches. He has been a fixture in the media for even longer. He is longtime NFL offensive lineman Mark Schlereth. These days, you can find Mark on 104.3 The Fan in Denver, also on NFL on Fox, where he brings outstanding color commentary on the weekly. He's also got a great podcast, and he's about to bring that great analysis right here to the original side hustle. So let's not waste time. Let's get right into it. It's episode 290 with three-time Super Bowl champ and stud Mark Schlereth, and it's coming at you right now. Absolutely awesome to have you back, Mark. Given your schedule, and I appreciate how much you have to work and how much you want to work. I appreciate this conversation. I appreciate you. Stink. How you doing, man? Man, I am, Jim, I'm great, man. I'm having a great time. Um, I always say I got into the radio and the television business to entertain myself. So, like, if you guys don't like it, tough. I don't, I don't give a, I, I just don't give a crap. I'm having a great time. So that's kind of where I'm at. You're the absolute best, man. I actually, actually, I am enjoying it a lot and I am entertained a lot, but I love that approach. So Mark, why don't we talk about that showdown Monday night, Kansas City and Philadelphia rematch of the Super Bowl. Really interesting game. Philadelphia finds a way to grind that one out. So does that game tell you more about Philadelphia or about Kansas City? Um, probably for me, it's probably more about the Chiefs. Um, and, and the lack of offensive proficiency that they have found, you know, it, it's really interesting to me because obviously, you know, there's a ton of drops. They lead the league in drops. Uh, there's Travis Kelsey. And if you take Travis Kelsey out of the equation, like how much other production do they get from other places that, that don't wear 87? And the answer is not a whole lot. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting to me because – I look at Andy Reid and I look at the way he has operated and he's a great coach, but he is truly adverse to the running game. He truly doesn't like the running game. Now they run the ball well, but they run the ball well on their terms, like when they're in favorable, in favorable situations. And to me, being a great running team means we need to be able to run the ball when everybody in the stadium knows we're going to run it, the defense knows we're going to run it, and and we know we're going to run it. And yet, there's nothing you can do about it. And it's interesting. You know, everybody talks about the scoring being down. It's the lowest it's been um, and shoot, over a decade, I believe, maybe two decades. But it, it's, it's way down. And a lot of that is I watch teams line up in the red zone with a too-high safety, middle-of-the-field open look. And in my day, we would look at that like disrespectful. Like if you're going to line up in two safeties, we're going to cram this shit right down your throat. And there's nothing you can do about it. 
and you're get, we're going to make you get into a single high safety so we get access one-on-one to the outside. And we looked at that like, are you kidding me? If we walk to the line of scrimmage and you're trying to play a two-high safety look on us, we're like, that is disrespectful. And teams today, they can't do anything about it. Defenses defend you with a light box, even though you have favorable numbers in the running game. They stop your run game because teams don't believe in it and they don't work on it like they need to work on it. I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. Back in the day, that was an affront. That was an affront to you. But watching that game, though, Monday night, Mark, like Philadelphia is not an easy team to run on. Pacheco is running with authority. They're having success in the first half. Why not just keep doing it? Why not keep at it when it is working? Yeah, well, because you know what happens is as teams start to adjust and say, we're going to take this away. Now, here's here's my point to all that. And it's a great question because they did run it well. And Pacheco was like, he was going off. Well, you're basically defending the pass. And you're giving that stuff up until all of a sudden you're saying, hey, man, we're getting run through like crap through a goose. So we're going to have to bring that extra defender in there. And there's a lot of teams that will look at that and say, okay, now all we want to do is throw it. And I still am a believer in, yeah, I I get that you're going to have access throwing the football, but we still have to keep them honest. We still have to get them biting on play action stuff. And we still have to be able in eight man fronts to be able to know how we're going to run the ball in those situations as well. Um, And I've always said this about Andy. I think he's a brilliant coach. But I have always philosophically disagreed with him on his like lackluster or lack of of, of care when it comes to running the ball. You know, it's, it's funny, Jim. I've had um, several opportunities to consult for different teams around the league, and so I go out to one team and they say, "They hey hey, you know, you were an expert in the wide zone, and you played for the Godfather of wide zone and Alex Gibbs and." We really want to implement the wide zone. We want to become proficient. We want to become experts at it. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I go, do you really want to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we want to become. Um, and, and that's what we have you here to do. Like, we, that's what we want to do. I go, okay, but do you want to run the ball? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we brought you out here. I said, but do you want to run the ball? <laughs> right. And then he's getting irritated with me. He goes, yeah, I want to run the ball. I really want to run the ball. And I go, but do you? I go, because here's what I hate about you. You'll run it three times in a row for two yards per carry, and you'll throw your hands up in the air and say, oh, my gosh, we can't run the ball. Meanwhile, you'll throw seven incompletions in a row with your crappy quarterback and not even think twice about it. And I go, what, what's the disconnect? The disconnect is we don't really want to run the ball. We want to throw the ball because throwing the ball is sexy, and doing the dirty work and the boring stuff isn't. And boring is what wins. Boring is what sets you up for years and years of consistency and championship-level football. And there's very few people that have the patience to deal with the boring, the discipline to deal with the boring. Look, that's exactly what you've made your career on, both on and off the field. Boring may not sell, but boring wins, and winning is supposed to sell. Hey, Mark, listen, they may not want to run the ball. They may tell you we want to run the ball, but we know they're not committed to running the ball. But I know nobody wants to drop the ball. The hell do you explain all those drops from that team? Is it the players? Is it contagious? How do you explain that many drops? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think that's one that um, is one you just really can't explain it, and and two, I mean, I guess I would I would look at that and say, well, where's your level of concentration? Where's your level of um, discipline when it comes to those things? Like, like it's inexplicable. They lead the league in drops and dropped a touchdown. Uh, uh, they dropped a touchdown over the top late in the game last night. That. You know, it's just one of those things. That, that's just your job. You got to do your job. Um, you know, it, it's it's interesting, and I always kind of equate it back to what I know and what I did. Man, if you miss that many blocks, you would you'd never get to play again. Like that that would be over. And on top of it, like if I miss a block and I get Elway hit, you, you think I'm going to hear about it? You think that? Uh, how long does that fly? How many times do I get to get that guy hit? before I no longer get to play. Like there's got to be that level of commitment and that level of like, to me, paranoia and fear of not doing your job. And and that one is one that I don't understand. And every receiver that I was ever around always were like, hey man, if it hits me anywhere close to the hands, um, I got to catch it. And if I don't catch it, man, that that is like, it's a cardinal sin. I don't know what's going on there, but they certainly, if they don't fix it, then they're going to get bounced when playoff time comes around. No doubt. The holiday season is in full swing. It's here, and so is the responsibility of showing up strong with the right holiday gift. Clones, look no further than sending Omaha Steaks. They have you covered with guaranteed perfection during their Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales. Go to omahasteaks.com and take advantage of 50% off site-wide. Plus, use my full name, Jim Rome, as your promo code at checkout to get an additional $30 off your order. 50% off and $30 more off? Can you beat that? Score delicious deals on tender, juicy, extra-aged steaks like their mouth-watering bacon-wrapped filet mignons. That's a holiday gift favorite. Or send their easy-to-prepare meals and carefully curated gift packages that are guaranteed to make those receiving these gifts very happy recipients. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor and endless value. Visit omahasteaks.com and save big with 50% off site-wide. Plus, use the promo code JIMROME spelled as one word at checkout and get that extra 30 bucks off your order hurry because the black friday and cyber monday deals at omaha steaks are for a limited time only that's omahasteaks.com promo code jim rome at checkout listen you made the point mark that, that teams in back in the day and even now would call you and you would consult now for instance Sean Payton, you and he go way back. He called you in the uh-huh. summer of 2010, a few months after he won the Super Bowl in New Orleans. You were still at ESPN at that time. What do you remember about that call? What did he ask you? He, he wanted me to come in and talk to his football team about uh, going back-to-back, winning winning back-to-back championships and um, the commitment level that it takes and you know the mentality that you have to have um, when instead of chasing, you're being the chased. And, um, and that's kind of where our relationship really started. And, you know, we've been fairly connected ever since, but, uh, but yeah, that's what he flew me in there to talk about. And it was so funny because, you know, I'm, I'm there and he brings me into his office and he grabs all this tape, Jim. He's like, Hey, come sit, sit down, sit down. And he's showing me tape of our team, 97, 98 Broncos and, Mike Shanahan, and he goes, all right, now watch, watch, you know, Howard Griffith, our TD is going to motion outside the formation, 
outside the widest wide receiver. And, and he's like, this was the first time like Mike Shanahan brought the stuff you see today is, is all derived from those teams, Mike Shanahan doing this. He goes, that was the first kind of indicator of, Hey, are they a man or zone? Do they bump coverage out or does the, does a linebacker follow the running back? And he goes, you know, as simple as that seems, Mike was the first guy to do this stuff. And the stuff that is being done right now in the National Football League by LaFleur, by Kyle Shanahan, by um, McVay winning a Super Bowl, by like by probably 60% of the, the league right now is running a derivative of Mike Shanahan's offense that he started here in the mid-90s in Denver. And, you know, to me, I, I understand the political nature of Hall of Fames. But if 60% of the teams are running a derivative of that offense and it all stems from what we were doing back in those days, um, I, I, if, I find it almost laughable that a guy that won two Super Bowls and had the success he has is, is getting bounced over in the Hall of Fame voting year in and year out. All right, so you beat me to it. I was going there next, of course. If you revolutionize the game and if 60% of those teams are running a derivative or running what he had – What's political about it? Why is he not in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> I like I wish I could tell you. I I don't know. You know, they keep they keep going cuz you're in that coaches that, you know, that uh the, the coaches section and the contributors to the game section. And I'm not saying the guys who have gone in don't deserve to go in cuz they do. Uh and and Mike will eventually go in and I look forward to the day I can go celebrate that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's silly to me. Like if you deserve to go in, put the guy in and, um, and not that Jimmy Johnson doesn't deserve to go in, but I mean, you look at the win totals that Mike had versus Jimmy Johnson and you know, the, the length of the career and the, and the championships. Now I know he, he, you know, contributor wise, Jimmy did all those things when he traded away Herschel Walker and he, you know, revamped, the draft and he and he did all that stuff so he certainly is deserving um but but Mike Shanahan is deserving and, and I know he will go in but I just think he should have gone in right off the bat so I'm curious Mark finish that thought when Sean Payton brought you in and he wanted you to tell the team the difference between being the hunted and hunting what exactly was your message to that team well my message my message is once you win a championship um you know, oftentimes things can pull a team apart. You know, it's, did I get my money? Am I getting my shine? And if things you weren't worried about when you were chasing, oftentimes derail guys when they're defending. Like, hey, well, I want, like, I didn't get voted into the Pro Bowl. I deserve to go to a Pro Bowl last year. I, the guys worry about the wrong thing. And then guys, the attention to detail. Oh, there's everybody's pulling at you. You know, hey, do you want to come do this speaking engagement? Do you want to do this charity event, that charity event? And the bottom line is all that stuff can work to derail you from the goal you have, the task at hand. And so my biggest message to people is having a, an attitude of, of being a servant. And you know, Jim, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I was retired as a junior in college because of the injury issues that I had going through college, switched positions, came back. First off, begged the university to let me come back, the University of Idaho, to let me come back and play my senior year, actually signed papers to limit the, their liability towards me as an injury risk to be able to come back and play, played my senior year at a different position that I hadn't played, 
Then I showed up. I, I didn't have an agent. I didn't have, I didn't have anything, no agent, no, like nobody. And, you know, ultimately the, the goal of my childhood dream of becoming a professional football player looked like it was at its end. And one of my teammates, a guy by the name of Marvin Washington, called me up one day, one night, and said, hey, man, you know, such and such a team, the Bengals are coming to work me out tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Why don't you show up to my workout? And so Marvin really taught me about, Marvin taught me about being a servant. And I showed up to his workout, and I literally blew Marvin away in pretty much every category you could blow a guy away in as far as measurables are concerned. Two days later, he called me again, invited me to another workout. Two days later, after that, he invited me to, to another. He probably invited me to seven or eight of his workouts. And I blew him away in every one of his workouts. And he kept inviting me to those workouts. And eventually, I got on the radar of teams. And I got drafted by the Redskins in the 10th round. He went to the Jets in the 6th round. He was touted as a 2nd or 3rd rounder. I probably cost him four rounds in the draft just because I, I whipped his ass in the workouts. And the bottom line is, if it wasn't for Marvin Washington, I would not have played in the National Football League. But the cool part of the story is I'm sitting in the training room after we won Super Bowl 32, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure I had some type of surgery or whatever. And so I'm rehabbing a surgery. I'm sitting in the training room and Mike Shanahan comes down with a piece of paper in his hand. And he said, hey, we need a rotational defensive lineman. Um, he goes, I don't really, it's not so much about having, the, picking the best one. He goes, I want the best dude that fits the personality of our football team. And he hands me a list that had about seven or eight guys on it. The first guy I saw that I recognized, Marvin Washington. I said, sign him. Mike says, done. Walked back up to his office. A couple of days later, Marvin's part of our team. And Marvin and I went on to win, to, went on to win Super Bowl 33 together as members of the Denver Broncos. So I don't play in the National Football League if it isn't for Marvin Washington. And Marvin doesn't ever win a championship in this league if it's not for me. And I learned that I learned that servantship attitude from Marvin Washington, who was willing to sacrifice even draft position to help his friend live out a dream. Hey, clones, what do we want when we're craving protein and we need more energy? I'll tell you what we don't want. Bars, sugary snacks, energy drinks. Nah, we want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. No, Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and tasty. It's never tough. So why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. In other words, they take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein and comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Dude, I think it's overstated, Mark. I mean, I use the phrase. I talk to people who spit the phrase back to me, but I'm talking like straight chills. That is one of the greatest... I've done this now 30 years plus. That is one of my favorite sports stories 
I've ever heard. And the message is not lost on me. Believe me, that is deep. That is profound. That you're kicking this guy's ass in every single workout. And he knows it's not helping him. He knows it's not helping him. Yet he keeps inviting you back. You stay the course. You make it. You invite him back. You share that ring together. I'm guessing that bond it never, ever, ever went away. <laughs> Absolutely not. And all the guys... I played college football with, we are all uh, tired of the mouse nuts, as I like to say. And, uh, and those guys, I mean, I love those guys and, and there's nothing I wouldn't do for any of those guys. And the same is the same for, you know, them. And, and by the way, like to this day, you know, you, you post all the time. I, I love all your Wisconsin pictures, your vacation, family vacation. So for, I have said this to so many, so many guys that I know now, that I played professional football with and everything else. And they're all like, man, we got to do that. I get together with my guys 25 straight years now in the summertime, we have a vandal reunion and we go to one of my buddy's cabins, either in Montana or in Idaho. And we hang out for the weekend. We barbecue, we're on the water. We drink beers. We tell stories. We get caught up on each other's lives 25 years in a row. And we get anywhere from 10 to 15 guys at our Vandal reunion. And we do it every single summer without fail. And it's one of the coolest weekends of the year. And every guy I tell that to says, man, I want to start doing that with my guys, the guys I play college football with. And, um, and we're just so, you know, we're just so connected that way. That's one thing I love about team sports. Like other than, other than your kids, Jim, where else do you ever root for somebody else's success like it's your own? Other than team sports and your kids, I have never met any other work environment, any other thing in my life where I root for other success like it was my own. When somebody scores a touchdown, it's as though I scored a touchdown. I've never scored a touchdown in all my years of playing football. That goes back to the seventh grade, high school, college, for 12 years professionally but I celebrated everyone like I was the guy who scored. And that just doesn't happen in life in many other places than team sports and raising your own kids. And it makes a special bond. And it's a, it's just an incredible way to live. Yeah, but let me ask you this, though, Mark. How much of that, I agree, I agree. But how much of that is a you thing? How much of that is an offensive lineman thing? Because even you yourself said that one of your messages, your main message to the Saints when they won it all is, hey, listen, you can't make it about you. You can't all of a sudden get caught up in, why did I not get the contract? Why did I, did mm -hmm. I not get that shine? So is it, I mean, it's so cutthroat and everybody's looking for their own. So is it? unique to team sports or only to certain individuals? I know. I think, I think that the good teams, it like when you start going, when you start losing or you're not part of a really good culture, I think then, then that probably doesn't exist. Um, you know, and, and when you come and you talk to culture and culture of an organization and uh, like culture is not static, it's alive and it has to be, it has to be worked on. It has to be talked about. It has to be, you know, it has to be lived every single day. And if it's not, then human nature is what's, what's the easiest way out? You know, what, what, what do I have to do to get by? How do, how can I get, you know, how can I just get a C essentially? Right. And so it's one of those things, like I always say this to companies, you know, you probably sit down at the board meeting and you guys decide, Hey, we're going to go out and we're going to create a, a, 
a mission statement for our company, right? And our mission statement is, and we're going to craft it. We're going to sit around and eat steaks and drink bottles of wine. We're going to craft this incredible mission statement. We're going to be so proud of this is the mission of our company to serve others, whatever it is, right? And then we're going to post it in our handbook and we're going to put it up on the wall. And then you know what they do? They never pay attention to it another day in their life. And my thought process is every day you've got to live that mission statement. And one of the things I talk to the saints about is having your own individual mission statement. Who do you want to be? What do you want to be about? How do you want to serve your teammates? How do you want at the end of the day, somebody much wiser than me once told me, you know, what do you want your eulogy to say? What do you want the people to who eulogize you? What do you want them to say about you? And you, you need to think about that while you're living, because the saddest thing in the world would be somebody to get up there and say, you know, he's a really good dude um, and not really know you and not really have been in relationship with you and involved with you and and been through the battles with you. And like you got to think about who you are, who you want to be, what you want to be about and and how you want to serve those people that you play with and those people that you, you know, spend the majority of your time in a football season, you spend more time with them than you do with your own family. And, and that was always super important to me. And it was super important to the teams I played on that were good. It, it really was. It was really a, a company-wide mantra, if you will. I love that so much. I love that notion, Mark, that you should have your own personal mission statement. I've been thinking about this quite a bit at this time in my life as I think about reinvention and climbing another mountain. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. You always hear, since you and I both do this on a daily basis, you talk to players, you talk to coaches, they're constantly talking about culture, 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 the organizational culture, the team culture. Lately, I've been thinking quite a bit about developing a personal culture. Like, I've always had core values, but I'm trying to find, like, every time you have a coach come in who establishes, like, a Dan Campbell in Detroit, a new culture, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to establish my own personal culture. You mentioned family. I want to share something with you, and I want to ask you something. So today... Today, Mark, it's pretty amazing. My, We have a son, Logan, who just started at Colorado. He's actually, we dropped him off in Boulder. We went there for Parents' Day. He's a freshman at the school at CU. And he's back for the first time for Thanksgiving. And my wife, who I've been married to for 26 years, known for more than 30, says, I think he should come on your show. I'm like, eh. She's like, no, I really think he should come on the show. And she doesn't ask for a lot in that regard, but it was really important to Janet. So it was important to me. I asked Logan how he felt, and he's like kind of a laid-back kid, but, you know, played high school baseball, loved it. And he's ambivalent. He's like, you know, if you guys want it, I'll do it. If not, I'm cool. He comes in, and I've never done this before. He comes in studio today, Mark, and we sit down, and we do an interview for maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and the kid handled it beautifully. Like, I'd never been so proud. And listeners like, Rome, we've never seen you like that, man. I've never seen a smile like that. You're so proud. I'm like, yes, yes. It was literally one of my favorite days of radio slash TV ever 
because my son came in and handled himself so well. It was so beautiful, man. Like, you can't put a price on that. And the reason I bring this up is I know you. I've seen you with your kids. I've seen you with your family. How is your family? How are the kids? Everybody is Everybody is good. And I joke around now because I'm in the next stage, the next phase of life with raising grandkids. And my grandkids, they all three of them belong to my son, Daniel. And uh, they live 10 doors down from me. So they spend as much time at my house as they do at his house. <laughs> and um, And I joke with all three of my kids now is like, I don't even like you guys anymore. Like I, I am sold out for my grandkids. Like, and, and it's funny, you know, that there's a, there's a saying, and I don't know who came up with it, but the reason that grandparents and grandkids get along so well is they have a common, common enemy and that's the parent. <laughs> and um, I absolutely, I absolutely, you know, I absolutely break every rule that my son sets. And uh, I'm like, well, listen, dude, I'm in charge of you. So like, like yeah, I don't, I don't want to hear your rules, man. I'm going to do what I want with the grandkids. And it's just a, man, it's, it is just such a joy and it's such a blessing to, you know, to have that in your life. And, um, and, you know, not that I deserve it, but I'm telling you what, I'm so grateful and so thankful every day and the opportunity to spend time and help mold these kids lives and invest in their lives and spend that time with them. Jim, I'm, I'm every day, um, when I'm not traveling, so uh, during the season, Monday, Wednesday, and, and or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm in the carpool line picking up my granddaughters from, from school. And, um, and I'm like, I'm, I demand that I go get them. And that connection in the carpool line with those two girls, I'm the only parent slash grandparent. I get out of the car every day, rain, sleet, sun, sh- snow, doesn't matter. And I meet them on the sidewalk, down the sidewalk where they come out of the building And like, I read this thing and it just, it always touched me is uh, a man is truly blessed when his kids run into his arms, when he has no gifts to give them other than those arms, those outstretched arms. And they run and hug me. And, and it's, it's one of the most beautiful things. And it's every day that I get them in the car and then they get to decompress with me about how school was and what they did and what they learned and who said what. And I did it with my own kids as well. Um, they didn't take the bus. I always just insisted that we drive them um, because it was 15 minutes that I stole from them every day. And I got to invest in their lives and I got to invest in their hearts and I got to invest in them as people. And, um, and it was just a really important thing that, that I did for, that I did for my kids and I did it for me as much as I did it for them. And then I'm doing it with my grandkids right now. And it's the highlight of my day. Every day I jump in the car at 2.30 my time and ride up and sit in the carpool lane with my notes from, you know, that I'm prepping the game for. And I, I sit and read for 30 minutes and then I get out of the car and greet them every day. And, and uh, it's like I said, it's one of the highlights of my day every day. It's incredible. Like U.S. Cellular wants to help everybody get the gift of connection this holiday season. Already a customer? This applies to you, too, because right now, new and current customers can get any phone, and I mean any phone, for free. Yes, really free. Sounds like it's time to make the switch. Spread holiday cheer far and wide this season with a new phone. Everybody can get the gift of connection at U.S. Cellular. Get any phone free today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms apply. Visit U.S. Cellular. Cellular.com for details. Dude, you, you're intentional, man. You've always been intentional. Do you ever, ever sit around and not do something 
that, I mean, like every second counts, every minute counts, because you're still working really hard. I mean, you've got a radio program, yeah. you've got a podcast, you've got your national broadcast on the weekends, you have grandkids, you have kids. Are you ever wasting any time at all? <laughs> every now in, in the airport, sometimes I'll sit down for a minute and I'll, uh, I'll mix it up with people on Twitter. But other than that, yeah, I you don't. do. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I like, do, do yeah. you enjoy that? Yeah, I do. I love, I love, I love the hate. Like, uh, somebody doing something. When I first got in this business after I retired, uh, I had a program director, um, um, Don Martin, you probably know Don, oh, Martin. I know Don. but yeah, but Don said something to me, Don said something to me that just, uh, you know, it's like your parents, when your parents say something to like my dad used to say all the time, whenever I was a kid and I was upset about something and, and somebody got lucky, you know, and somebody did something that should have gone to me or whatever. My dad would always say the same thing. Luck has the smell of perspiration. And, and, and that was the end of the conversation. He's like, luck has the smell of perspiration. I don't want to hear about it. Go to work, right? Just go to work. And so um, that always resonated with me. But Don Martin told me, he goes, hey, man, let me just tell you how this works. He goes, you want 50% of the people to love you and 50% of the people to hate your guts. And if you do that, you're going to have a successful career in media. And it always it always stuck with me because you don't have to sensationalize a damn thing. The truth is sensational enough. If all you do is spew the truth, then you're going to have 50% of the people that love you. And you're going to have 50% of the people on the other side that hate your guts because they don't like the truth. And um, and so far, it's worked pretty well. So I find it fascinating. I love reading people that, uh, you know, hate you because you were biased against my team or whatever. I just think it's funny. Makes me laugh. No, see, listen, you you understand that. You figured that out. Don Martin, I've had a lot of talks with him over the years. I never worked for him directly, 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 but I've worked with him and I know him. He never actually laid that out for me, but I kind of figured that out early in my career, right? It didn't matter what I said or what I did. X were going to hate and X were going to love, and I could never, ever control that anyway. I think that what you just said, though, is so key, Mark. Like, you and I are the old heads that are still doing this and done this a long time. However... However, what we don't do, and you, and I know this about you, and I know it's about me, you've never been one to pony punches. You're fearless, but you're not saying shit just to say shit. You're not a hot take artist. You're not trying to move the needle. You're just being authentic and real. I think you can get that 50-50 if you want it by just saying what's on your mind and being real and being thought-provoking without making shit up just to make shit up. Like, I, I take that. Right. That's offensive to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, to me as well, you know, and and this whole thing, like, you've seen the video of Brady saying, hey, the, the league is in a, it's not as well coached and, and it's not as well played. And yeah, da, what, da, what da, was da, your, I'm just going to jump in. What was your reaction to that? Well, I think he's 100% right. But at the same time, I would I, I also countered, you know, I, I tweeted him back on that. And I, I also countered with this, like 2011, you the players in 2011 agreed the collective bargaining agreement, their big bargaining chip was less practice time, less time at the facility, less time working on my craft. There's a reason that it's not as good as it used to be, because nobody works at it like they used to work at it. It's not, it, it's not mandatory. Like I'll, I'll give you, for instance, like I was, I was in Detroit. I called Chicago, Detroit last weekend and Roger Goodell was there. And so I sit and, and are standing on the sideline, you know, pregame talking to Roger Goodell for about 20 minutes. The first thing he says is think, Hey man, offensive line play is not very good. How are we going to get offensive line play? And I go, Oh, because quarterbacks are injured. Right. That, like, that's why you're concerned. Right. And I go, the bottom line, I know this wasn't you, but 
you guys in your last collective bargaining agreement allowed less practice time. The only way to get good at doing something offensive line wise is by practicing at it and practicing in pads and hitting guys and getting that fit and getting that feel and understanding the game. And you've eliminated that from, from the league. And, and, you know, the players are so stupid because the players thought that, Hey man, you know, we're going to, we're going to eliminate this. And, and, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to get these rookie wage scales. That's going to be another thing we're going to do. And I told the players association when they were talking about it, I go, it's the dumbest thing. And the dumbest thing you could possibly do. So I used to go to this bar when I was in college, when I came home from Alaska called chill, chill Charlie's. And their motto is we cheat the other guy and pass the savings on to you. I go, if you think <laughs> the owners are going to save millions and millions of dollars on rookie wages and just willy nilly pass them to the veterans, you guys are stupider than I think. Like you think they're just going to pass the money on? No, they're not. And so now you've negotiated a less skilled football player because you don't practice. You're not in the facility. You're not studying as much. So you've negotiated yourself into being less skilled football players. And when you get a little bit older, instead of paying extra money for that skill, why would I get a descending player and pay him $2 million when he's descending and he's never really learned the game. He's descending athletically, never really learned the game. Why wouldn't I just get an ascending athlete that has a lot to learn still and pay that guy 500,000 bucks? You know, so now you got eight positions that are really well paid and then everybody else is, you know, making league minimum or whatever or close to it. And you've got a bunch of, you got a bunch of young players that couldn't play dead in the Western on your roster simply to save money. So you could pay the eight guys that are getting paid like, you know, like $20 million receivers. Really? It's 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 the, the itty, the itty, oh shoot. I can't even say it. The idiocy of, of the way the collective bargaining agreement went. So you, you negotiated less skilled players in, in 2011. And then, you know, then the other thing that I thought was funny is I, Brady has whined for more flags than anybody in the history of the National Football League. And now you're complaining about, uh, you're, you're talking about protecting your, if that's what you meant by protecting yourself, whining for flags, then you nailed it. Yeah, I was going to say, Mark, what I said on the air today was, wow, like I had no idea this guy had an actual opinion. Like this is so much better than the normal like cringe and awkwardness and cornballedness <laughs> that I normally get from this guy. However, you see the hypocrisy in it, right? Like this guy, this guy's complaining right. about the players not being able to, not being tough enough, not being in there, not standing in. So, yeah, and obviously, the second I played that soundbite on my show, the, the listeners went crazy over that very thing. So l- let me guess, he did not tweet back at you? <laughs> no, no. And you know, you know me. I made sure it had the at Tom Brady on there because I'm not going to subtweet people like uh, a lot of people in our business do that want to get a rise but don't actually want any heat on the other end of it. No, I get this. So before you go, and I can do this forever, dude, thank you so much for this. I appreciate it yeah. so much. You One non-football question before you bounce. You're still killing it with your stinking good chili brand. I've got a very good friend who knew you were coming on, who said he's having it tonight. He's in the Denver area. He absolutely loves it. For those who do not know, how did you find the culinary life, or did it find you? And then when they go to your website, stinkinggood.com, what will they find? Yeah, um, so it really was a buddy of mine 
when I was playing and I've always done my own yard work, I'm a big landscaper and I love being out there doing stuff. Um, I, uh, I had hurt my knee in training camp and I had to have surgery on it. So no um, way, Mark, I was on, no way you did. Yeah. Right. And so 30 times. Yeah. So I was, I was, you know, on crutches for a couple of days. It was in camp and I couldn't get home to do my yard. So this guy did it for me. And I, I found him in the neighborhood, like right after camp broke and just to thank him for doing it. And he's like, no problem. Hey, I want to bring you some food. I'm going to bring you some green chili. And I'm a kid from Alaska that went to the school, the university of Idaho. I didn't even know what green chili was, but I wasn't going to turn down food. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, whatever, bring it on. So he brings it by the house and I devour it. It's like, Oh, so good. Right. So pork green chili. And so anyhow, um, we became friends kind of, and he'd bring me green chili every couple of months. And, um, eventually he said, Hey man, you, would you go into business with me? And I was like, yeah, let's, let's give it a whirl. And, and that's kind of how the, uh, love affair of of that culinary you know green chili started and uh ultimately we've been doing it for now gosh 20 years and um and it's been you know it's been a fun project it's been it's been great and it's been fairly fruitful but uh yeah it was it was a good time and if you go there man you can find all kinds of gear and all kinds of stuff but uh the the hot pork green chili or the pork green chili is it's our best seller it's what it's what most real green chili aficionados like to buy I love it. Listen, I want to say once again, I, I appreciate this so much because I know your schedule. I know your commitments. I know what you have going on. I appreciate the friendship. I appreciate the amazing content. I appreciate the passion. I always get something out of this, man. More more than something that's good for the podcast, I always get something personal out of it. So I appreciate you so much, dude. Thank you very much for that. And that was awesome as always. My pleasure, but always great connecting with you. Always appreciate you, my friend. My man stink. Mark freaking Schlereth. How great is this guy? If you're wondering what it takes to be invited back to the side hustle for multiple visits, that's what it takes. We can talk ball for hours, but we can also talk about anything at all for hours. Fascinating guy who I couldn't admire or respect any more than I do because he always has this great perspective, and I always appreciate any chance I get to chop it up with him. This is why I love this platform. Because I can get loose, stretch out, and go long form with really interesting people that are worth all that time. If you're looking for more of that, we've got plenty of that. In fact, 289 episodes just like that. They're all done. They all hold up. You can give any one of those a spin, and and I guarantee you'll be happy you did. So do this. Find and smash the subscribe button. Then you'll be notified every single time a new episode drops. You never have to go looking for it. It will find you instead. Thanks for doing so. Have a very happy and healthy Thanksgiving. And I will see you next week for episode 291 right here on the Jim Rome Podcast. Peace.